0: shoot the defense it's unbelievable Jeff. hello and welcome to shoot the defense brought to you by the fnx network i'm your host Stel, and in this edition we turn our attention again to soccer in the united states of america Now, as you're aware by now, MLS is constantly evolving as clubs attempt to grow and compete with the world's best. Now, we've seen the trophy-laden likes of Frank Lampard, David Villa, Didier Drogba and Andre Pirlo have their heads turned by the almighty dollar. But contrary to what many believe, grassroots football is a vital component and high priority for major league soccer teams. One in particular leads the way in youth development, and I'm pleased Proud and extremely honoured to have caught up today with Paul Cadwell, who happens to be the Director of Youth Programs at Chicago Fire. And this is how the show went. Well, Paul, thank you for coming on the show, sir. How are you this morning in America, isn't it?
1: Yes, it's only 8 o'clock here uh, right now in Chicago, but uh, I'm actually on my way to Indianapolis, so I'm just going through a time change and it's 9 o'clock in Indianapolis. Oh, blimey.
0: Well, I, I just hope that you get there safe and sound.
1: It's always the case I mean, there, uh, the size of the country, you
0: just got to put up with the travel distances,
1: oh, the travel distances that we have
0: to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Paul, before we discuss your role at Chicago Fire, can you give us a bit of an insight into your coaching background and the path that led you to the Windy City?
1: Yeah, um, so um, obviously born in the UK, I was born in a place called Whitehaven in Cumbria. Um, started playing like we all do, you know, local youth football, uh, town football, county football, and actually made it all the way to, uh, to play, play at Lily Shore when I was an under 15. And, oh, wow. and from there, from there, got spotted by Aston Villa and signed schoolboy forms with them at, uh, at an early age, at 14, and, uh, was part of their, their youth system, their YPS system for a number of years, but, uh, got the book for coaching and got the book for education, actually. So rather than sign a contract at 18 with Villa, um, went to university. Um, got my teaching degree, but while I was there, also uh, undertook my coaching badges and uh, got my FA badges there, and had the opportunity to come out to America for a six-week summer camp back in
0: 1998, and uh, that was the start of my journey to the US. Incredible! Well, that, that was four years after USA '94, so it must have been quite uh, quite of a buzz out there at the time, no? It was. Well, Major League Soccer started in 1996. Um, part of the group that I
1: came out to work for was Major League Soccer. Camp. Right. The league actually hired a company that was traveling around the country trying to drum interest in the sport. Um, so, a bunch of English, Scottish, Irish guys were were traveling around the country bringing attention to the new league. So, there was quite a buzz up for the '94 World Cup, and with the league starting in '98, um, it was the first time the the country had, had a professional league in over 25 years. So, mm-hmm. um, it was the start of something that uh, that today's grown into what we know as one of the one of the main leagues in the
0: world. Absolutely. So. As a director of youth programs, what would you say are your main objectives? We have two objectives. Um, One is pure
1: play development. Um, Our own Andrew Holman has invested a lot into youth development. He's passionate about it. And part of what we have to do is produce players for the first team. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's what any club around the world has to do um, to justify your place. But on the other hand, we also have another mission to change the soccer culture in America. Um, If I walk down the lakefront in Chicago... I see a lot of Bundesliga, Premier League, La Liga jerseys up and down the lakefront. So we also have responsibility for the the young generation to make Major League Soccer um, the the league of choice. We Mm -hmm. also need to make sure that the Chicago Fire is a team of choice in our own city. So rather than seeing 80% of the kids in an international jerseys, we want to see Chicago Fire Major League Soccer jerseys um, in our own city. And we have a responsibility to create heroes for the next generation of young Americans. We need American heroes that are truly world-class players. And uh, up to this point, I don't know if we might still produce it. So the mission's still there for
0: all of us. So, for our listeners who don't know, Chicago Fire Soccer Academy was set up in July 2007 and was designed to identify and develop the best young talent within the Chicagoland area. Now, how difficult was it initially to attract youngsters to the academy given the wealth of competition in the city, namely other sporting teams such as the Cubs, Bulls and Blackhawks?
1: Well, the biggest, the biggest challenge for us at the time was actually not coming from the other sports teams, it was the system in America, mm-hmm. Um because there'd be no professional league, youth clubs in America really filled that void for soccer education and and they charge they charge big money to play with those youth clubs. You can be a eight, nine year old in America and get charged a couple of thousand dollars a year to play travel competitive soccer. So one of the missions that we had when we first started the program was to make sure that e- economics weren't a barrier to paying for us. So the first thing we did with our academy program was make it totally free. So players can come in and play. Um, they get the travel, the uniforms, the shoes, um, the coaching fees, the league fees. We actually, there was no barrier to playing for the academy. So that was the best thing that we did. And again, that showed the the kind of vision our owner, Andrew Halman, had, um, at the time, because we were one of the first MLS teams, um, to go down that road. So for us, it was creating a program with no barrier to cost, but then also putting in place, um, the best coaches, the best facilities, the best training regime. And uh, that's what we did, and that's what's seen the
0: success that we have today. Well, I understand there's been some uh, controversy in the NFL regarding concussions. Do you think this has helped the academy somewhat in the sense that parents are less inclined to send their kids to American football clubs? Yes.
1: What we're seeing in America is, um, across all sports, hockey, basketball, baseball, lacrosse, actually not so much lacrosse, we're seeing a decline in youth participation in the NFL. Um, Obviously, with the issues with the concussion, a lot of parents are looking at other safer sports for the kids to play in. Soccer is one of the few sports or the only sport in America nationwide that is maintaining its player participation level mm. or actually increasing its player participation level. So we are seeing um, people from other sports coming over to soccer. And I've been doing this now for 20 years. So just seeing the top athletes now choosing soccer over football at 14, 15, that's when America's going to get really serious about the game. Mm. When the top, I believe, in coming to soccer is the number one sport, the rest of the world better, better be aware because uh, they've got the resources and the facilities to take it to the next level. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, funding, or, or should I say lack of it, has played a huge part in the demise of grassroots football within the UK. Meanwhile, MLS sides continue to invest heavily in community projects and other programs in order to gain a stranglehold in a competitive sporting industry. Now, while Chicago Fire is a soccer club, first and foremost, we can't ignore the fact that it's also a business. So naturally, there's a budget for everything. So from a youth development perspective, is there a particular area you feel may need extra investment?
1: Yeah, well, for us, obviously, the academy program's free. So that's where we lead by it. So the best players have no barrier to getting all the way to the professional level. But in this country, there's there's a ton of services that we can offer. Um, We actually run our own youth clubs. Um, We have 10 clubs nationwide um, within six states. We have 16,000 participants playing in in Chicago Fire uniforms across the country. Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Michigan, Florida, Louisiana. So once you're running those type of youth clubs, there's a bunch of services that come along with it. Youth tournaments, soccer camps, uniforms, um, coaching education service, parent education services. So all these that we try and operate, um, that's where we can we can start to reinvest um, back into those clubs because those are those are pay for services, those are transactional services. Mm. So those services that we charge money for, we try and keep competitive, um, but that's just the nature of the game in the U.S. What we do to support those services is we have a bunch of other services um, that support those at no cost. We have what's called a community ambassador, which is a bit like the community development officers right. that the football league clubs use back home. And he and she travel around the country offering services for free. So in going out and getting new coaches to join the game, new players to join the game, working with schools, working with YMCA. That's the mandate. So we try and support our transactional services with services that come along um, without a cost too. Mm.
0: And do many other clubs have that kind of method?
1: Yes, there is a number of clubs around the country, um, that have that method where we don't all follow the same model, but probably 50% of the clubs have a similar model that we do where we're running youth clubs, we're running camps, we're running training services. And then some clubs purely run academy. Mm. Um, and that's more based like on the UK, European model where, you know, residential academies, you know, are going to try to place more all around the country and put them straight into, into elite players. Um, what you'll find if you take a look at it still is that It's more the traditional clubs. The clubs that's been around for 22, 20 years have the model that we do. The younger clubs that's only been around for five, six, seven years, they're coming right into the
0: market and just running academies at this moment in time. Yeah, yeah understandable well speaking of academies last year the under 17 18 group won the u.s soccer development academy national championships now we've seen how the class of 92 at manchester united and the disciples of Cruyff at la masia went on to achieve great things now how important is it to you and the rest of the coaching team that most of this group of players remain at the club and build on their recent success
1: well that, that that's actually a great question because you hit the nail on the head when a national championship is great and it's good for us to put our flag on but the end of the day, it's the individual player development that we focus on. It's how do we get those national championship players through the system and then into the first team. And one of the barriers that obviously we have in America is college sports plays such a big part in the lifestyle here. So some of our talented players, we can most certainly sign to professional constructs at 18 and put right into the professional environment. But in this country, not everybody's ready for that. So part of the balance that we do is some of the family players that one day might be professional actually are going to go for college for two or three years before we can get our hands on them. So the colleges that the players select, uh, the coaches that, that, that work with us at that level are important. But for us, the key to get those players through is the lifeblood of what we do. There is a number of, number of players from that group that are U.S. internationals. And so if we can keep that core together, then obviously it just means good things coming down the
0: road. And you said earlier that players that are 18 years old usually aren't ready. Why do you think that's the case because we've seen in England and in Spain like for example the likes of Marcus Rashford has broken through 18 years old. Why do you think the US aren't producing players at that age with that quality? To be honest
1: though, we're just the game is not mature enough right now. Right. If you think about it Major League Soccer celebrated its 20th anniversary in 1996, we at the Chicago Fire didn't didn't start till 1998. Mm. So technically, we're a teenager. The game's still evolving in this country. You look at the FA, you look at the Premier League of Football League, you look at 150 years um, of history. So the game needs to mature in this country. The professional clubs have only been running academies academy, some for two years, some like us for eight, nine years. We need to get to a point where the professional academies in America are driving the game forward. And not relying on, uh, on, on US soccer to do that. So that's the next step for us is to make sure that the MLS environment that we create is competitive at 12, 13, 14, 15, while still focusing on the development, but prepare, but preparing these players for a professional career at 17, 18, 19. Um, but it'll, it takes time. Like I say, we're, we're a young league and eventually I think the, the game will get to that point.
0: Right. So, what would you say are the Academy's long term plans? And do you think there's much emphasis on girls and women's soccer at the moment?
1: It's, it's a great question. Well, for us, the focus is um, we've just had we've hired a new general manager, Nelson Rodriguez, who, who's got a great vision. And a lot of our focus is going to be on individual development rather than team development. So, on the boys' end, we obviously, we obviously have a pathway from a seven, eight year old all the way to the first team. What we need to do um, on the girls' end is have academy program that suits that. At a club level, at a youth club level, out of the 16,000 players that we have across the country, 40% of those players are female. Right. So we have to now develop the next level for them. Um, U.S. Soccer has just introduced a female academy league um, that all the clubs are currently applying into. Um, we are one of those. We hope to secure a, a female academy. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that hurts us is we just don't have a long history in, in female development. Um, so we need to make sure that the players, the coaches and the environment we're creating for the females is at the same level as as,
0: as for the boys. Right. And, and forgive my naivety, but is there a link between Chicago Fire and the Chicago Red Stars? The Chicago Red Stars
1: um, played our stadium. We have a great relationship
0: with them. We both try and grow the sport in Chicago
1: together. And there is a few things that we have worked kind of um, cooperationally on, but it is two separate ownership groups. Right. Um, we don't own the female group, and they've done a great job, and they continue to do so. If the male and female leagues at this point of time are at different places in the revolution. Um, obviously, with the, the women's league has kind of changed its format a couple of times. Over the last three or five years, where Major League Soccer has now got um, a bit of stability uh, and a plan moving forward.
0: So, are there any clubs outside the US whose academies you'd like to collaborate with? Now, as a Man United fan, it pains me to admit that Man City's are head and shoulders above everyone at the moment.
1: Well, I'm also a lifelong Man United fan too, so <laughs> we should share the same pain. Um, City are doing a very good job in the US right now. Obviously, they have a club in Major League Soccer in New York City FC. Um, sort of got some, uh, they've got some reasons to invest. But one of the things that we, we like to think that we do is take the best practices of all the academies. Right. I mean, the U, the U.S. culture is such a diverse culture. You know, having access to Mexican academies, South American academies, Argentina, Brazil, um, is great for us. Having access to, 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 to the UK and to, um, European academies is vital. One thing that Major League Soccer's done is we've actually created a, a partnership with the French Federation. And we've been okay. investing heavily. MLS is investing um, millions of dollars currently in educating all of our directors of academies and youth developments um, with the French methodology. So all of our staff are spending a year to two years getting educated at Clairefontaine in France. Wow. So right now, that's Major League Soccer's focus is, is utilizing the French methodology. But with the fire, we like to take the best practices from any of the professional clubs anywhere in the world.
0: Brilliant. While we're on the subject of women's soccer, we're supporting the Women's Sport Week, which takes place at the beginning of October. Now, how big a part do you think the success of the US Women's National Team has played in the growth of soccer in the States?
1: Massive. Absolutely huge growth. I was lucky enough to be here in 1999 when um, the US won the World Cup here here in America with Mia Hamm Mm. and the last-minute penalty by Bramie Chastain, And the buzz around soccer at that time was immense. Major League Soccer benefited from a short period of time. The soccer culture overall benefited from the extra exposure. And definitely um, the, the success the women's had has spurred a lot of things on um, for a lot of us that we need to focus on. So That's played a huge role in making sure the exposure of the game um, infiltrates not just the inner cities, but the
0: suburbs and, and anywhere else in the country. So what would you say to women that are reluctant to get in any kind of sport? I would say give it a try because it can bring so much to
1: you away from sports. I mean, as we all know, playing in sports helps, you know, it can help to develop leaders, motivation, empathy, friendships, a different type of social um, sphere around, you know, you and your family. Sports can bring so many good things to the education of a human being and not, not just on the field, off the field. And that's one thing that we focus on a lot with our players. It's not just the technical ability, it's the education and welfare off the field. Making sure that that our teams um, are interacting with each other. The players do show friendship, empathy, and motivation to each other. So, as any sport can bring, you know, so many things to you, the sport of soccer can do the same thing. So, I would encourage anyone to participate in sports. Just find your niche, what's good for you. And whether it's an individual sport, whether it's a team sport, whether it's, you know, whatever
0: it is, sports can bring so many different things to you off the field. Fantastic. Well, Paul, before I let you go, could you just tell me one thing? How do you feel about the FA and their their attitude towards grassroots? Because it is suffering. There is a lot of underinvestment. Where do you think we're going wrong? It's frustrating
1: as anything because I came out to America 20 years ago and there's thousands of us from the, from the UK that are out here. Good mm-hmm. coaches, good guys and girls that have, that have got educated through the FA's coaching system. And, you know, and we've played the sport at a higher level, but because of, because of lack of opportunities, because of lack of, lack of resources for, or opportunities for we'll get to, we move out here to the States. And I can't tell you, I look around sometimes at some of the big soccer weekends out here and the amount of English voices you hear across the field with A level, B level coaches out here, it's like, what's happening back home? And all the good coaches moved out here and we've left a vacuum back home. I don't know, but I just know the opportunities for people that are, that, that aren't involved in the professional game are limited. You know, back home as well as I do, it's who you know, not what you know. Absolutely. And sometimes the, the frustration of breaking through the FA's barriers or the club barriers is like, I've had enough. I'm going to go to Australia. I'm going to go to Canada. I'm going to go to the US where we're given that opportunity to grow as coaches and invest back into the game. And unfortunately, it's other countries that are now taking benefit of
0: it and not our own. That's right. Absolutely. Well, Paul, listen, thank you ever so much for your time. So you've been great company. Hopefully, we can have you back on the show sometime soon and talk more MLS and Chicago Fire, obviously.
1: More than happy to jump on any time and support you guys. or listen to you guys and good luck with what you're doing and You need us back on, just go to the normal channels and let us know.
0: Ashanti, thank you very much. By the way, how can our listeners get in touch with you or find you on social media? Do you have a a website or do Chicago Fire have a a Facebook link? Yeah, if you go to uh,
1: chicago-fire.com and click on the website, we have all of our youth programs listed on there. And, you know, the usual sites: Twitter, Facebook, look up Chicago Fire, at Chicago Fire, and uh, you'll see all of our information there
0: brilliant well Paul thank you ever so much sir. safe journey and um, I'll speak to you soon thank you very much sir. Take care, all the best sir thank you bye bye cheers take care bye well there you have it ladies and gentlemen Paul Caddwell from Chicago Fire hope you enjoyed it we'll be back very soon